What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Sonny, and I'm back again with another episode of Sonny Talk. And on today's episode, I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with Mystic Mark from the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast and a whole bunch of other podcasts, I believe. What's up, Mark? Yeah, what's up? Glad to be here. Um, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy is my main podcast but you're right i do have other shows and i work for the tinfoil hat podcast so people might be more familiar with that show super popular sam tripoli and all the amazing things he's doing uh, i help him uh, find guests for the show and make sure that they're all prepared and scheduled to to record episodes so yeah that's uh that's what i do and i've been podcasting since i think 2020 it was mm-hmm. when I started my show, right, right, a few months after the whole, you know, you pandemic know, or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. But well, so Mark, on this show, I like to start from the beginning. But before we start there, could you, uh, well, you gave us a little brief uh summary of who you are. Uh, any other? Let them know exactly all the places they can find you. So cool. yeah, let's just get that off out out the rip. Yeah, uh, my family thinks I'm crazy.com is my website. And there you could go and see all the different, you know, avenues to find my work, whether it's the podcasts and the apps to listen to it on or uh, my Patreon, my Substack. It's, maybe we'll be talking a little bit about that because mm-hmm. I've been writing some articles uh, on my Substack. And, and yeah, so there, there's a ton of places people can go, but mainly. My family thinks I'm crazy wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, great. All right, so Mark, so on this show, we like to start from the beginning and then build our way towards the present day. So where were you born and raised? Uh, I'm from Connecticut, and uh, I'm from uh, uh, outside of New Haven, Connecticut, to be more specific. Mm-hmm. Okay, so growing up in New Haven, Connecticut, that name is so familiar to me, I, I I feel like there's something that happened in that town or in that area that I always hear about New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, but I'm sure you hear about it. You're in New York City. New Haven and New York have definitely had a a particularly interesting relationship. You know, uh, people often think that the tri-state is like New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. No, it's not. It's New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And we're we're that other corner of the triangle that gets forgotten. But yeah, New Haven's yeah. got the best pizza. They've also got Yale University. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yes, yes, yes. That's very it. old, old uh city, older than the country itself. So that's I wasn't raised in New Haven proper, but I was raised in New Haven County in a town named Milford outside of New Haven. So uh I really didn't go into the city much until I was like able into to New Haven, the city. Yeah. Yeah. I really okay. didn't go there much until I was able to like travel on my own and, and drive and whatnot uh, because I went to school there for a few years. Um, and yeah, that's, that's a big part of why I started researching all this stuff because I'd always been interested in history and learning and understanding what's really going on in the world. When I got to New Haven and really started walking around and exploring, I was confronted with so many different uh, shocking realities, you know, everything from, you know, crime and poverty and drug addiction to like the 
complete opposite of that, like opulence and wealth and like people coming from all around the world to get like a world-class education. And And although I didn't go to Yale, the community college I went to was right next door to it. So I would, you know, get out of class and just walk around and explore the city and New Haven and Yale are pretty much like locked together. Like the whole downtown area is like half Yale campus, half New Haven so, you know, you just kind of walk around and explore all these really old buildings. And I started to notice, you know, weird architecture. And I started to learn about the secret societies and the all that good stuff. So, yeah, Milford, Milford's where I was born and raised, kind of like a, a small city next to a bigger city. Uh, but it, you know, has its suburban rural aspects too. Like there's a, there's a few farms in the town I grew up in. Not a lot of farmers, but yeah, it was a, it was a nice place to grow up. It's the uh, small city with a big heart. That's, that's the motto. Okay. So we'll, we'll speak about it a little bit, but um, I'm going to take it back a little bit. But before that, so Hartford, you said Hartford, right? No, New Haven. Sorry. New Haven. So is this where Gilmore Girls was at? Or am I thinking of another place? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, sorry, I'm just looking for my, my backwards. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because I, you know, a little inside information on me. I grew up in Milford, um, Milford, Milford. but there's a oh, town Milford. in Connecticut called New Milford. And it's not mm. near Milford. It's not like a suburb of Milford or anything like that. It's like a different, all altogether different part of the state. And that's where like New Milford, Washington Depot, that town, those towns, that's where Gilmore Girls is based around. And what's funny is my uncle, <laughs> he owns a grocery store in the center of town where Gilmore Girls was based. So, you oh, know, okay. it's, it's got that small town vibe. There's only one grocery store. There's not like a, big stop and shop or anything like that in Washington Depot. So yeah, odd, odd that you brought that up. Why is that a favorite show of yours? Uh, just growing up. I just remember that, you know, it was on like, it was syndicated. I think on ABC or some shit. Like I used to see that shit all the time. It was like one of those, you know how you have like a whole bunch of shows you watch as a kid, like you have your cartoons and then you have your shows that you watch in between or in the daytime. That was one of the main, like, shows i used to watch as a child I so, yeah yeah I, I remember catching it every now and then but it was it wasn't like uh wasn't particularly something i watched i just knew that my like where my cousins grew up like the town was based mm-hmm. on it but on some like conspiracy sort of research me and my girlfriend were kind of looking into that recently so that's why oh I yeah asked. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, okay. Well, well, can you give us a hint of some of the conspiracies related to Gilmore Girls? Well, it it is kind of like, uh, you know, it's one of these quintessential kind of like American uh, sitcom type shows where a lot of conversations were had in a way that, I don't know, people who identify as progressive probably really get behind, you know? Uh, so it was kind of one of these shows oh. like like the office or like uh another like good example maybe like the sopranos like i don't know there's all these shows that like hit like really hard for people like maybe not everybody but like a certain demographic and the idea behind it is that it's a part of this 
cultural shaping that goes on in think tanks like the Tavistock Institute, where they plan ahead of time. It's like, all right, we're going to create a show and have this these themes in it. You know, they'll they'll let the producers, the Hollywood people do the rest, fill in the blanks. But they want to see these themes. They want to see these ideas shared. So that that was kind of where I approached it. Um, I don't know necessarily, you know, speaking for my girlfriend, Tara, she probably had uh, a different perspective on it. I'd have to ask her. I don't know off the top of my head, Uh, but I know that show meant something to her. So. I personally didn't connect with it all that much, but so there uh, wasn't any like that wasn't like a thing in the time. Oh, you were probably a little bit much much older by the time it, it was released, right? Yeah. Well, no, I'm 29, so oh, I was okay. I was a little younger. Oh, we're we're show. we're the same age. Yeah. I turned 29 this year. Well, you're one year older than me. I turned 29 this year. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it just yeah, it just didn't hit my radar. I wasn't really, to be honest, I wasn't really. Uh, that interested in a lot of those shows that weren't like comedy oriented. I was just more, if, if it was on TV, it was either comedy or like science, science type stuff or like ancient aliens or something like that. But okay. uh, yeah, I don't know for whatever reason, it never really struck me, but as far as conspiracies goes, it, it definitely, I think it, what's interesting about where the, the, the show takes place is that town uh, has a lot of very wealthy people in it and has always kind of had wealthy people in it you know um my uncle does pretty well but he's not by any means you know one of those like elites mm-hmm. right but i've heard of like um what's his name george soros he had a house there uh henry kissinger had a house not too far away he recently passed away and oh, wow. that's just that's just a few. There's a couple other bit really big name people that live in that area. And it makes sense because it's a secluded area, but it's also very close to New York City. You know, those guys, the elites, they they want to be close to New York City for obvious reasons, but also have privacy and mm-hmm. lots of land because then you can, you know, build your nice big mansion or whatever and not have to see your neighbors ever and who knows what else do some kind of crazy yeah, some wild have, have some crazy parties or whatever. But yeah, no, when I was a when I was a kid to take it back to like more your original kind of line of questioning. Yeah, I was gonna get back to that, yeah. My like my shows, like I liked a lot of the comedy stuff that was available on comedy central um but i was particularly like interested in like bruce lee and like i got into like kung fu movies and that kind of got me into martial arts and cannabis and you know okay yeah a whole bunch of other stuff when i was a teenager but yeah when i was growing up i was like a big tv head i was sitting in front of the tv and watch a lot of stuff um but yeah mostly comedy mostly like comedy or like history, history type stuff. Okay. So as far aside from TV and like you spoke on that briefly, like you were mostly into like books and stuff. Um, What were some of the activities that you were getting into in the New Haven area or just in your area? Or like what, what were the hobbies of a young Mark? Well, me and my friends, you know, we would get into trouble. <laughs> I had, I had, plenty of different groups of friends at different points in my life Mm -hmm. um you know before we started smoking weed 
I, the trouble was mostly just getting into little fights and things like that, which is where I got interested in martial arts. And I'd always been interested in like, you know, like soldiers and, and like superheroes and like that kind of stuff when I was younger, younger, younger. So, you know, getting into fights and stuff like, I don't know, it wasn't necessarily that I thought I was like a soldier or anything, but it definitely like appealed to this like sense of like, adventurous manly roughness that i saw in a lot of the stuff i was watching but you know honestly i kind of realized pretty quickly with the fights and stuff that that wasn't the life i wanted to be involved in you know i didn't want to get in trouble and luckily i didn't get in much trouble but i did get into some fights and uh and yeah that kind of taught me to learn how to fight rather than just getting into a bunch of fights so i started getting into yes, martial so as, arts and... sorry sorry so as as far as the fights go were they um just like typical kid stuff like uh childhood angst like you you're going around you're trying to be the macho man you're discovering yourself like are it, you just was, getting into bullshit it was more fights? like it was more like you know call you out at the lunch table see you after school and like UFC was on and like it wasn't it wasn't super popular but like UFC was a thing back then mm -hmm. when I was in high school so like there was an element of it where people wanted to see like a real fight so like yeah. you call somebody out not that I I was I always got called out okay that's I what I was gonna ask that's where you're the aggressor yeah no I would always get called out because I was I'm tall so like I was tall back then too so people have this like complex where they want to knock out the giant you know so mm -hmm. I picked up on that when I was younger, but I would have to, you know, stand up for myself. So I, I never like back down. I was always like, all right, you know, I'll fight. So we would just, they would just name a place and a time and you have to be there. Otherwise you were a chicken or worse, you know? So yeah, <laughs> I didn't always win, but then when I started winning, uh, people stopped calling me out. And then it was mm -hmm. like, oh, all right, this guy knows how to fight, respect, you know. And then yeah. by the time I was a senior, people were like afraid of me, like, yeah, because I was the captain of the wrestling team and like I did wrestling for three years. So, you know, it toughened me up. But I, I've always had like a kind heart. So I've never been, you know, I won't say I've never been a bully because when I was really young, I was definitely a bully. But by the time I was in high school, I was, I was not like that anymore but you know when you're young and you have younger cousins and younger siblings like you just you screw around. you toughen them up you get my cousins they did not take any you know slack on me they took it all out on me my older cousins so i had my moment to like dish it back out and mm -hmm. but when i was a kid you know we just we just hung out in the neighborhood like it was i don't know i, I don't know that i see many kids doing that today occasionally i'll see younger kids like on their bikes and stuff but you know we would go out and hang out from like ages like eight to like 15 i was always outside hanging out with my friends and if i wasn't outside i would be like in my room reading you know getting into stuff i had you know computers so i would read stuff on the computer so yeah i don't know as far as like activities go though i was never really into sports aside from wrestling i uh I did martial arts, but, uh, yeah, not, not really, not really in the, that kind of, that kind of thing, but yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else, like, <laughs> so, um, so to take it back a little bit, 
can you take me back to a moment where like or like one of the earliest moments where you remember like okay or like a situation where someone's picking on you they call you out to fight can you take me back to those moments like what what did you feel at? and the second part to it is when you got home did you confide in your parents or like did you speak to anybody Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I can't even remember like the first time that probably happened. But um, no, you know, by the time like second or third time, it was kind of like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble. So I better not tell my parents this. But Mm-hmm. yeah, like the first time, definitely. Because uh, I, I had a neighbor that was like a just a couple years older than me and real mean. And he would do stuff like put rocks and snowballs for snowball fights and like just crappy, just not He's cool. just a dick. Yeah. Yeah, just bully stuff on a whole nother level. So, yeah, I had a few run ins with him that kind of made me that toughened me up and made me realize like, all right, some people you avoid, some people you you don't need to, you know, win every battle with sometimes just knowing. So it kind of it kind of started at home, but not home. But it started Yeah, like real close in the to neighborhood. home. And and my dad even had beef with like his dad too at a certain point. So it was like it was almost like a family feud kind of thing, like you know, with the with the fence. So did You know? you inherit? Did you inherit the beef? Like, do you No, think the beef came because I think of? I started the beef in Ah, a way. uh, oh, where? Yeah, because we were all cool when we were younger, and then as we got older, there was like a split, and then it, yeah, and then then the dad started beefing. So, yeah, I think my dad just had my back. You know what I mean? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, And also, that's what's up. you know, like father, like son. So you, you, the kid was a dick for a reason, right? So you know what I mean? No disrespect. Like I'm sure they're they're Damn, good so it people happened. to to a It certain happened. extent, but. <laughs> Yeah, so it happened after you guys were older. So, like, looking back at it, like, were, was this a long-time neighbor? Like, did you guys, like, like legit grow up together? No, like it's weird. Like as soon as they moved in, it was I was probably like right at the end of elementary school, and he was probably like in middle school or or, or so a little bit older than me. But uh, but yeah, no, he was kind of just like big brother kind of thing. Like we would hang out and like shoot airsoft guns and stuff. Mm That -hmm. was Oh shit. one of the things that I I used to do a lot: shoot airsoft guns with my friends. But uh, but Yeah, so yeah. he was just We, part of the group. not even it was just like a me and him would hang out if he was around kind of thing and then and then at a certain point you know you just age age apart and like yeah he he just it wasn't cool i remember one time i went over his place and we were playing like grand theft auto san andreas and i was way too young to be playing that game but it definitely imprinted on me because you know then i started like listening to rap and like you know playing that game when i when i could get my hands on it so yeah he he wasn't all bad but definitely not somebody that i would t ever talk to ever again <laughs> Damn, so what the fuck happened? You guys started off as friends. Like what what was Well, when the you're when you're young man you know shit happens you know when you're young you know, there's you have more in common but yeah no i think it's just a thing where like he grew up in like a tougher neighborhood and then kind of moved to like a more mild neighborhood and then like was the toughest kid in the neighborhood Okay. kind of thing you know what i mean Okay. so he was just Okay. used to like a different crowd of like kids where he initially grew up and he moved to my neighborhood 
and just cause chaos for a so, little while. <laughs> and I forgot to ask you this. Are you a, a, like, how many siblings do you have? Or are you only child? I have a younger sister, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're pretty close. We're close in age. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So she was but, around. You know, we didn't hang out all that much. So it did kind of feel sometimes like, uh, you know, like, Oh, I wish I had a brother or something like that. But I love my sister, you know, definitely. But we, you know, it's it. Yeah. It almost feels like being an only child when you only have one sibling who's a, the opposite gender. Because you know, we were close in age. She wasn't, you know. Yeah, that's I, I had to step to up and be like the big brother a lot. And I probably, I probably wasn't always the best big brother when I was younger. But yeah, I think now she looks up to me, and we 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 have each other's back. You know, so that's. Do you feel like you were actively when you were younger? Were you actively like uh, running away from that responsibility? Like, damn, I gotta be the big brother. Like, I just want to go never through my even own thought thing. about it like that. I always just had like this like mischievous like like oh like she's my sister. Like, gotta pull her hair or you know gotta you just gotta prank her, her and yeah. do whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's you know I think it's an East Coast thing. A lot of people where I grew up, we have like a tough love policy or like a, you know, bust each other's balls kind of attitude. I think that a lot of people are like that. I don't even know if it's just East coast, but yeah, that's no, definitely I, an American thing. Yeah. definitely American maybe. East coast type of thing. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, so no, but yeah, me and me and my sister get along nowadays for sure. Okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, Okay. So you you're growing up in this town. You and your friends just basically, but you had different friend groups. So you had, so you had, what was your OG friend group? Because you had, well, you know, growing up in the neighborhood, you make friends with kids in the neighborhood. You know, and uh, yeah, how bad? Sorry, no, it's all good. You, you couldn't hear nothing, right? No, 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 I couldn't hear anything. Okay, that that's why I had pause on my bad. So I was, I was trying to ask you, uh. I was trying to ask you, um, so what were the, what were your different friend groups? Cause so you had, I know you had, you said you had multiple friend groups and you had the, that, so that you had the neighbor. So that's like, kind of like the guy you hang around here and there and, and what, then you had like your friends from, from school and then like the neighborhood pals. Yeah. Well, there were, there were kids that I met, like just from being a kid and exploring the neighborhood and like. Mm -hmm. You know, my grandmother's house wasn't too far away, so I knew the kids in her neighborhood. Uh, so, like, yeah, the kids I went to school with that lived in my neighborhood that I was friends with. But th here's the thing, like, once I didn't play sports, like, a lot of the kids I knew from school, that kind of phased me out of that friend group. So, like, I never quite was a jock, although I didn't really see it that way back then. But I got uh yeah i don't know i just got involved Damn, with but you wouldn't consider yourself a jock if you were the captain of the wrestling team yeah no i don't that's funny right <laughs> no and i even i even felt like i didn't uh fit in with those guys although they're all awesome you know but i was more like the class clown of the wrestling team than the uh than the actual like captain because I, mm -hmm. I had I had three co-captains. So like, you know, it was all four of us. It wasn't just me. I wasn't like the shining star of the team by any okay. means. But I was I was hardworking. And I think that's why 
my coaches let me be the captain. And the reason why my teammates voted me the captain is because everybody liked me and I kept the morale high. Like I was always like, I don't know. I, I, at least I remember it that way. Somebody on my team might hear this and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Steve? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, no, yeah. That was one friend group. And then, yeah, when you're growing up, like, you know, things change, like you don't always stick with the same groups of friends. And, uh, and then where my town's at, you know, we have like the different elementary schools, we have the, the, three different middle schools and then two different high schools. So like I knew some kids from my elementary school, but then when you get to middle school, you meet kids from all these other elementary schools. And then you get to high school, you meet all these kids from all these other middle schools. Right. So as the different waves of meeting new people happen, I'd make new friends. So that's really what I mean by like, you know, making different groups of friends. Um, but yeah, no, I was always kind of like on the the weirder side of the demographic. Like I got voted like most changed since sixth grade. And I was also a random one. voted like, uh, you know, tallest. But my my friend Darren, he went on to play basketball in Europe. He was oh, always nice. taller than me. So then once him and I were in the same group or grade or whatever, then, uh, you know, he he was always the taller he took on the mantle yeah (laughs) so yeah but i was a little outshined in that department but uh but yeah no there was there was definitely like a big switch then when i went to high school because then i kind of you know you become like a little fish in a big pond there's more people new people and all that so i became kind of quiet and more of who i am today at that point in time and then when i started wrestling that kind of helped me become more social, more outgoing. And then eventually martial arts kind of led me to smoking weed. Cause when I was real young, I was against all drugs. Like I saw like people drinking growing up, you know, I saw like certain friend groups, like get into like smoking, like weird shit, like not even weed. Like they would just start smoking cigarettes for no reason. And they were in middle school, you know, like it just made sense. So I was always against that when I was young, young, but then when I got into high school, like halfway through, I saw like some TV show and they were talking about Bruce Lee and how, there's evidence that he used cannabis to train and like it, he, you know, oh, he said that cannabis was like the number one way to relieve, you know, whatever after working out. So it got in my head, like, oh, maybe this isn't such a bad thing. Uh, And then Mm -hmm. I saw like another thing that was like kind of funny and I was like, oh, that looks like fun. And then a friend was just like, yo, we're, we're smoking weed, come over. So, uh, and I just did and yada, yada. Next thing I know, my mind opens up and I start getting into all the stuff that I talk about on the podcast, you know? So that was kind of like a a pivotal moment for me. Around what age was that? That was like 17, 16 and a half, right around those years. But I, I was like, uh, I was like really dead set on martial arts and like UFC, like I almost saw I was going to be like MMA fighter professionally mm. back then. And then I also thought I would like join the army or something too. But then when I smoked weed, 
I still really like martial arts, but I was like, screw the army, man. I can't do that, you know? <laughs> and uh, and then all the, the conspiracy stuff that I had kind of picked up on here and there all started to make a lot more sense, you know? Because I'd been into it. I had known about, like, loose change and all the stuff with 9-11. I mean, I saw 9-11 happen in my elementary school. Like, they took us into the library and showed it to us on TV that day. So, you know, I, I remembered that. It's kind of weird, right? Yeah, very weird. Everybody has the same story. Yeah, everybody does. That's I, that's come up on my show, too, a bunch. And, uh, yeah, I was just looking at some 9-11 footage on TikTok. I had a some- guy, um, weird, weirdly enough, I had a guy on the podcast that he was, his school was the school George Bush was in, but it wasn't his teacher. Well, that was his teacher, but it wasn't his class. That was the also, English he teacher. Wasn't in the, he wasn't, he in, wasn't the in that class at the, at the moment. Damn. Yeah. Cause oh. he said, he said that that class was, uh, as soon as you walked in, it was like the, uh, like the library. So it was like the first door as soon as you walked into the left, but um, he was in his regular homeroom. And then like that teacher, like they held Dude, that, that special whole- thing. That whole time period was weird to be a kid, dude, because I remember that that happened. And there were other things that like would happen in school that I would be like low key thinking like this is uh this is like weird that they're saying this to us. Like it almost felt like the news because I'd watched the news with my grandparents a lot. Like when I was a kid, I would go over my grandparents house. You know, they would babysit me and whatnot. So I would watch the news with them and just kind of, I don't know. I feel like I grew up kind of fast in that sense. Mm-hmm. And that's partly why I even wanted to join the military. Cause you know, after nine 11, it was like every day they would show like tanks and like helicopters shooting like hellfire missiles. And like, you know, it was just like Gulf war, not the Gulf war, but like uh, that first like wave of troops going into what was it? Iraq for the first yeah. time. And uh, and then after that, you know, sometime later, Afghanistan. So that kind of got me like also a little bit radicalized, like, oh, the war is bad. You know, like we need to stop this. And I remember my grandparents would say like, oh, well, you're you're just young, like all teenagers say this. You're just a, a bleeding heart liberal, you know, like you're all you're like all the other teenagers, you know, and yeah. and that kind of stuck with me. But but yeah, yeah, as far as like growing up and whatnot you know i think smoking weed kind of let a lot of that fall to the wayside and i was able to really connect with what what was really important to me which was kind of figuring out who i am why i'm here and what to do and i I kind of feel like that's it took me a while but now that i'm podcasting and writing and learning about this stuff, I, I do kind of feel like I'm at, I'm at that point, you know, not quite there, you know, nice. with everything in life, but definitely more so than when I was, you know, talking to the guidance counselor in high school, like, well, what do you want to be, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's really good though, bro. Hell yeah. So, but, so take me back to that day when the first time you, you hit that blunt for the first time, like take me back to the whole scenario. Oh man. Well, the first blunt I ever smoked, <laughs> was with four or five different friends mm-hmm. I, and I, i'll say their first names just to give some like you don't gotta give names. 
No, all right, no names, no names. Right, right. I, 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 it, it was fun. Well, shout them out. Fuck it, if you want, shout them out, bro. Well, I think one of my homies would like to shout out. So shout out to my buddy John, who's always been down and always with me, and still my friend to this day. Shout I don't out think to John. he really smokes weed like that anymore, but he he definitely is a real one and always always going to be my number one friend. But uh, it, it, as far as weed smoking goes, because I do have other best friends who yeah. who because John was like my sensei, like he got me into it in that sense. Um, How did he convince you? Well, it was weird because the first time we all smoked, we like passed the blunt around and we were at like somebody's like house and like the, you know, parents weren't home for like the whole week. So we were just smoking in the living room. And I feel like that was just so weird of an experience being in someone's living room and doing that. It was like, that it's I, like, I, it's like a guilty moment, right? Sorry to cut you off, but it's like, Oh shit. So what if their parents come home and then they're going to yeah, tell my was, parents. Yeah. It was anxiety kind of in a way. So, but yeah, so that was weird. I didn't get high. And a lot of people say that, you know, you don't get high the first time, but then the second time I smoked weed, I gave it another shot in the back of my friend John's Chevy Lumina and we ripped the bong and dude, I was on a whole nother level. I was making jokes. I had the whole, the whole car going nuts laughing at me because of the stuff I was just like, cause it was like, you know, I was always kind of reserved and I would make people laugh, but I was always very like calculated about what I would say. Whereas I smoked, the bong and all of a sudden i'm speaking off the cuff letting it fly you it know just let you on wire yeah so that was cool and then you know i just i had really when it when it all clicked for me was when i smoked by myself and like got my hands on my own weed and just smoked by myself in my own like space and time and you know just got a chance to just be in in my mind and that believe it or not was in Cause my backyard was weird. Like I grew up in a suburb where most of the houses have pretty much the same size yard, like a small, small yard, not, not small in comparison to what I've seen in like cities, but like, you know, about the same size as the house. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you have about the same space that your house is sitting on behind the house. Right. Whereas my backyard growing up, was in between two like streets so it was just a straight cut of forest behind my house and there's other people's backyards kind of on the border of both sides of the forest so when i was a kid i was just in the forest all the time getting into all kinds of stuff you know exploring you know so i would go back there me and my dad when i was really young built like this really really crappy tree house like it was not even in a tree it just had like a tree next to it like it was a poor excuse but it was ground level but it was off the ground and you know me and my buddies would like shoot each other with airsoft guns out of it so it was fun but then when i started smoking then it became like my secret weed hut so yeah nice. then i would just smoke back there in the and i'm not talking about like what you see on history or on like you know the travel channel where these guys build like super cool tree houses with like windows yeah because you said um you said your backyard isn't that big though so i'm trying it's, to... it's pretty big it's it's like a forest you know but it's okay. like it's like narrow it's long and narrow right so like if you're in the middle of forest you could look to both sides and kind of see 
people's houses but for the most part you're kind of like in the in this own little space especially okay. for a kid it felt huge but now i'm like oh god how did i ever you know i was basically right on top of these people but yeah it, but there's like now you of, look at it and it's just like six trees <laughs> no no it's it's better it's okay it's, it's better than six trees i'll say okay, that. Okay. it's, it's okay, deep okay. but I think people from this city would be like, whoa, you got all this in your backyard. But someone from like upstate New York would look at it and be like, what's that? Like that ain't yeah. nothing, you know? So yeah, it, perspective. It was decent. Important. It was decent. Yeah. Perspective, you know? No, but, but as I'm a kid, about, yeah. I'm talking about like eight pieces of plywood. Like, okay. I'm not talking about a crazy tree house. Don't get it, you know, too. Okay. Cause since you, when you said it's like a tree house, but not a tree house, I'm picturing like, you know how like they have those little hunter huts. Yeah. Picturing like a smaller version of that. Like, no, it was bigger than that. It was definitely okay. bigger than that, but it was, it was just like crappy. So how many people could fit in there? Comfortably like six kids. Like we would get like, just cipher. yeah, we could fit like four <laughs> or five, like picnic, chair type chairs in there mm. you know and like a crappy little table you know okay. but the floor wasn't that strong after it was you know up there for a few years because you get the snow and the rain and all that so i remember one day my buddy a different john another john fell through the floor and we were like all right, all right, that's the last time we're going <laughs> up in the tree house uh so yeah they're, they're Mid -blood. like i said no, no, this was this was actually before the treehouse had already been condemned by the time I was smoking in it. I didn't let anybody. Was there still a hole in there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would just I just threw a piece of plywood over the hole and then I and then I had a new floor on top of the other floor. So I knew my way around it, but I just I wouldn't let like other people up there because then it'd be too much weight. So. Yeah, yeah. But then eventually we took that down. And then when it was really cold out we would like put the pieces of plywood up and make a little like smoking in yeah. my parents' house. And we definitely didn't, we didn't have cars either. So we didn't have like a ride to smoke in yet. So, you know, a couple of my friends had cars, but not me and the guys that I grew up with, like in my neighborhood, shout out to my boy, Alex, just talking to him the other day. And he, he's younger than me. So I put him on to smoking weed in a sense, like you were his OG. Yeah, and like my other friend Matt, he was the same age as me. He he also wasn't really like into it, and then he got into it. So the three of us would would hang out, and we would build like we would put that fort together in the cold, get in the back in the in the woods, and we would just smoke in that little shed, man, and listen to like Army of the Pharaohs, listen to like Vinnie Paz, listen to you know Immortal Technique. I mean, we we're definitely into like. Wu-Tang Clan but like on the more obscure level of things like mm -hmm. really underground rap like non-fiction uh you know I I could go on it just got to give me a second but yeah that was yeah, shit was just very niche very niche subgenre type of shit Yeah we like the underground rap you know I mean we were into normal rap like not normal but more mainstream rap as well but not so much like we kind of got into more of the stoner underground vibe rap and i had some friends that were like in the mac like, millers and shit early on type of thing yeah well kid cuddy mac miller that kind of stuff was popular when i was a kid but even though like we we didn't even like that kind of stuff we were more into like the the hardcore rap stuff like 
you know, talking about like crazy stuff and not even like not even like gangster stuff. It was more I don't know. It's hard to describe because there was a gangster element to a lot of that underground rap, but it was it was like intelligent. It wasn't just like shooting each other and like, you know, so who are some of your favorite rappers back in those days? Well, the 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 army of the pharaohs is a, is a group, and there's like twelve different guys associated with that. So all twelve of them, they each have their own like I've never heard of careers. Them. Yeah, Vinny Paz, he still comes out with new stuff. Um, he's still like putting out new music. Apathy, he's from Connecticut. He was connected with those I've guys. I've heard of Apathy. I've heard of Apathy. Yeah, Apathy's interesting. He's a Freemason though, so I. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't always listen to all of his stuff uh, the same way I do other rappers. But, um, but yeah, they, you know, Aesop Rock, he's a little more like lyrical and kind of alternative. Um, the Rhyme Sayers crew from Minnesota, the, uh, there's like Atmosphere and uh, Idea and Abilities and a couple other guys that were in that um, area. And then, yeah, like the stuff we were into was more East Coast rap, but like okay. underground, the underground stuff. Immortal okay, Tech, so he's another popular one. Ari, the Rugged Man. I mean, I could keep going. <laughs> okay, okay. I didn't know like 95% of those names you mentioned. Well, Bobby, and to be yeah. fair, like I started with like Big L and like Nas, yeah, 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 and, like yeah. Jay-Z, like... So like I I didn't immediately go straight to that stuff, but I kind of when I was younger I would like listen to that kind of stuff, and as I got older I started to think about the subliminal messaging in a lot of that music, and that's why I went to the underground stuff because the lyrics were a little more transparent, like they were really telling you what they were really thinking. They weren't like putting it in coded messages and stuff like that. It was. I, it's hard to explain. I think people get it now more than no, yeah, the I get it, yeah. Illuminati TikTok stuff that shows how like a lot of these rappers are sus. But you know, back then, it's just like nowadays. It's kind of like, bro, we understand it's fake. Like it's yeah. like whatever the whatever like the project Bluebeam of say saying is a hip hop is like whatever that project is. We we need to figure out the name of it because it's like, bro. It's well, like I think so... it went along the same lines of like Cointel Pro. You know, there's an argument that hip hop was like a very pro black um, sort of a movement, a movement I... to uplift people impoverished, especially poor black, you know, men in the, uh, you know, urban places in America. And then the FBI or whoever came and co opted that and made it about gang banging and, and drug selling so that you could keep this prison industry. I mean, you know, I'm not the guy to talk to about that. Obviously there's tons of people that have brought that up, but I started right. to kind of pick up on that, you know, when I was younger and and that's what made me look, listen to like the conspiracy rap, as I call it, because those guys were actually talking about like conspiracy theories and like rick ross freeway rick ross and how what like he was selling crack and like uh you know connected to the fbi so like they were yeah. speaking the truth even on their own industry you know yeah, yeah definitely it's it's definitely like because i've heard like uh you guys mentioned it on the shows like the oh 
Ice Cube is the Larry the Cable guy of uh well not you savagely says oh, he's like Ice Cube yeah. yeah Ice Cube is the Larry Cable guy of hip hop but it's just like um I understand that um because that like that whole idea that we we're talking about they're addressing it nowadays like people say like yeah um. They definitely pushing those type of songs like the drills nowadays, like the drill music or like the violence or like the trap music, and they'll tell you like, "Hey, just make this, make it more like this," and but it's like you could decide to not do it, but then like it's like they're probably gonna drop you. So it's like it's definitely a hidden hand behind it, but I wouldn't put it on the 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 artists themselves i don't know they're participating in something that i i i'm with you it's out of it's out of their hands they have the incentive they i mean it's it's exploitation right because these people who do well in this music industry they can talk about things that they actually lived right which is this glorified lifestyle of crime and it's incentivized for them to talk about it because people have been conditioned to like sex and violence, right? It's, it's, it, it triggers our subconscious, you know, hormonal body, right? It, it triggers adrenaline in us when we see that and we, we hear the music behind it. So yeah, no, I don't think it's the artists. If anything, maybe they don't realize what they're participating in or they, they probably think to themselves like, well, it's worth it. Cause I'm going to, you know, make the money I need to take care of my family and get out of it, you know, and you do see a lot of like, I'll say I'm not, I'm not by any means opposed to recognizing this. There's plenty of rappers who have turned around and helped tons of people out, especially yeah. from their own community. Um, and those are tend to be the rappers that I like, you know, and I, I like their music cause you could hear their authenticity, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not the guy to talk to about all that. You know, anyone can see there's problems in pop culture in general. It's not just the rap industry. No, but, yeah, uh, but when I was younger, that was a big influence on me for sure. Rap music. And um, I, I like rock, classic rock. My parents were into that. So I would listen to that and stuff. But just rap appealed to me more. And uh, and then I, I found the underground stuff and it was like, oh, wow. OK, this is like teaching me something you know and i recommend it even though you you don't recognize the names like it's worth going back and listening to a couple of their songs that probably the most well-known song from that genre is called end of days by vinnie paz and uh like bar after bar like line after line is just facts like stuff you would hear people talking about today on podcasts mm -hmm. but this song came out in like I think the nineties. So, or early two okay, thousands. So like, yeah, my homework on that. Way, way ahead of way ahead of their time, you know, as far as like the culture of conspiracy, you know, the, the rap music was where these conversations were taking place before podcasts, uh, you know, were really popular and in you know, the books, obviously I always had this information, but back then, like, you know, you could go on like Google videos and find like weird, long, like six hour videos of like someone like, you know, Jordan Maxwell or whoever talking about the banking system or talking about how the federal government's lying to us or, you know, what have you. So I, th I think a lot of that rap was informed by that, you know, like yeah. the, the early Internet and then also like 
conspiracies from the street, you know, because people in, you know, urban communities and impoverished communities, they always conspire. They always make conspiracy theories. I think it's just natural to to for the elite to to turn it into that thing where it's like, oh yeah, no, those are just conspiracy theories. It's like no, I mean, yeah, even the the inception <laughs> of conspiracy theories was created by who? Was it the F, was it the CIA or the FBI? I forget. Well, yeah, it was it was the CIA that popularized the term. I don't I don't quite know who first coined it, but definitely popularized by the CIA mm-hmm. after the JFK assassination. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's why I always go into like everything's a psyop. Me, I'll be thinking like it's so like um what's the word? Is it um pessimistic? But it's just like sometimes I even think like what if everything is just a lie? Like whatever is out here is like the complete opposite. That's like the occult is truly like the occult. Like even what we think is like, oh, this is the occult. But is it really the occult if you could just find a book and read about it? Like think about it like oh. Well, you have a point there. I think there's certain things that get labeled occult because they they're really taboo, mm-hmm. you know. And I think now in the modern time that we're in, taboo has kind of become a thing of the past. Like, how many things are really taboo? Not much. It's almost like the only things that are taboo are are the things that are illegal now, which is sad because, you know, and yeah, I will say like, oh, well, you know, 200 years ago, people would get, you know, hung for being a witch or something. And like, yeah, like, obviously I'm not advocating to go back to a time where people could, you know, just get accused of something and then immediately killed. Like, obviously not, but there's this weird sort of uh i don't know it feels like feels like people have this sense that like oh yeah all this stuff is so forbidden when really it's been super popular for the past 200 years you know like coal and magic and uh i think as long as humans have existed we've we've been interested in this kind of stuff it's like i think it's just a matter of the powers that be controlling us and giving us this sense that if you play around with it, bad things will happen. And I'm not saying that's necessarily false. Like it is true that if you mess around with magic or what, you know, maybe worse, like dark ritual, all kinds of weird stuff like that. Yeah, probably it's not good for everyone to know that kind of information yeah but uh but yeah i don't know it definitely seems like the powers that be flaunt that kind of symbol those symbols so you know what that means maybe it means that they're using it for power powerful uh you know reasons to, to gain power rather and keeping us afraid of it is their way of controlling it you know it's like an an advantage to possibly. I don't know, man. I sometimes I get into like with the whole conspiracy shit. When once you, it's like once you open that door, it's like sometimes you start just looking at everything. Like, well, hold on, what about this and that and this and that? And then like, what if everything is just a lie? Like, 
well, what if, not to be sacrilegious, like, what if Satan is, the church is really Satan's church, and we don't even know it, and we just pray to that, too, also. I recently talked to someone on my podcast who basically says just that, and, you know, I'm not someone who has anything against any religion. I'm just curious about the truth, you know? I was yeah, raised I mean, Catholic, but I particularly don't identify that way. I believe in a creator, but I don't necessarily think that there has to be a Bible for the creator to exist. You know, like just because the Bible says that there's a creator doesn't mean that that's the only reason to believe there's a creator, you know? Yeah. There's, and you know what's the thing, too, is like with the Bible, even it's like not even the Bible, like religion, like every church is going to have its own agenda that is pushing. You get it? And they're going to interpret. Because, like, me, for me, like, the the, the beginnings of my cons early conspiracy mind, or just, like, not anti, but just, like, questioning stuff, was, like, okay, uh, we're at church today. Why are they telling us to read this chapter? And then we're going to skip to nine chapters later. We're going to read another verse that's going to somewhat relate to this. But, like, what else is happening in, in in the middle of all of that like why are we just pick pop picking what we want and putting that out like there needs there's there's more to this you get it and then you start looking at like the bible tells you not to like like you know they always say like to the synagogue of satan or such shit like that but um i feel like it, the the bigger message was don't go to church at all like don't go to a church or something like that you get it well, let me ask you this. Do you know what the Septuagint is? The Septuagint? I've heard the name. I, I, I don't know everything about it. So the, the Old Testament is based on the Septuagint, mm. which was written in ancient Greek. And this, this guy who I spoke to on my podcast said his name is Dr. Amon Hillman. He said that, uh, you know, the Old Testament was basically translated by 72 people mm -hmm. and you know we're just supposed to take it on their word that they got it accurately right so and he himself said like i've learned how to read ancient greek and this is not what it says i'll stop there people can go and, and like learn more from him if they're curious but i'm with you uh -huh. when you start to think like everything's that we've been taught could be a lie you know and the version think about like the school systems they were started by religious figures like the whole idea of the university comes from the church so yeah. you know it's not like these these worlds are so separate it's only in the past hundred or so years that we've begun to think of spirituality and science as separate things but that wasn't the case yeah. it's not the case nowadays yeah, because exactly. uh we like the i don't know the exact fact but i know that the church has more like invested in anybody else and looking into the cosmos and everything oh, else yeah. like like telescopes, that should everything. tell you that they're paying attention to something out there and mm -hmm. i think it's because they have ancient information about these whatever's outside of the earth's atmosphere you know some people have trouble believing that humans could go outside of that i personally don't i think it's all interesting and i'm willing to look into it all but yeah, it does seem like they have vested interests in observing, you know, something out there. I was just talking to a guy today on my podcast who's written a book about the Anunnaki and 
talks about how, you know, there's different planets that uh, once existed in our solar system that are no longer here. Uh, one of them exploded and created the asteroid belt and the moon. So mm -hmm. like the moon, they've found craters on the moon that are older than the moon itself. How could that be, right? If the moon isn't, you know, from an older, larger body of, you know, mass, right? So yeah, because yeah. um, there's certain uh tribes that have stores before the moon of the times before the moon and stuff like that. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. And I asked him about that and he had an interesting response. He said that as far as he knows, the earth, the moon and the asteroid belt were all created at the same point. So like the earth and the moon are a part of the same, uh, the same piece, but that's not to say that those people are wrong. Maybe they, <laughs> maybe they survived, you know, some sort of ancient cataclysm and, you know, were put on this earth after that whatever it was they came i from. mean if if i'm not mistaken i think that was one of those south african tribes and i think they also have a a a, a legend that they came from the planet sirius so right that's exactly what we were talking about man yeah. it's and it was crazy it's crazy because so many so many megaliths are aligned to these stars right mm -hmm. but check this where you're in new york city right yeah. so i on on Manhattan, on the island of Manhattan, there are six, um, I forget how many, but there's a certain number of obelisks. One of them is called Cleopatra's Needle, and they actually- The Central Park? Yeah, they took it from Egypt and yeah, brought- they are... Yeah, you've seen it? It's Yeah, I've seen it. Well, apparently those are placed, all the obelisks in New York and it's on Manhattan are placed- to reflect uh orion so and and sirius so <laughs> you know uh it's it's kind of weird like when you see this stuff happening in the ancient world and you see modern cities picking up on the same you know uh practice of like mirroring architecture with this constellations i think it I implies that we come from above yeah you know, yeah. You know um i didn't I didn't do the research. Was it your podcast? I believe you had somebody on that mentioned um there's a Manhattan hinge. Do you know where that's at? Huh. Or do you know anything about that? I heard there's a, a Manhattan hinge. I'll have to do my research on it. I don't yeah, I don't know, man. That's a really interesting question. So would that be like a Stonehenge in Manhattan? Is that what you're saying? Because I don't thing. remember that. Yeah. It might not be it, my podcast. It was uh it might have been on, on Tinfoil. Uh it was basically because they were the conversation was about how the the you know uh, I forgot what it's called the, the landlines how things are on the different landlines and I believe it was like Stonehenge and then the heat they mentioned there was a Manhattan hinge I just didn't do my research to, to look it up but I'll look into it. Huh. Manhattan Hinge, also called the Manhattan Solstice, is an event during which the setting sun or rising sun is aligned with the east-west streets of the Main Street grid of oh, Manhattan. Oh, 30, or like 31st Street, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, so I guess the, uh, huh, that's interesting. So yeah, the, the city's buildings are aligned um, 
It's in accordance with Commissioner's Plan of 1811. The street grid for most of Manhattan is rotated 29 degrees clockwise from true east-west. Thus, when the azimuth for sunset is 299 degrees or 29 degrees north of due west, the sunset aligns with the street on that grid. The rectilinear grid design runs from north of Houston Street in lower Manhattan to south of 155th Street in upper Manhattan. Uh, and then, yeah, so, and you can even see it if you're in New Jersey, uh, you, you can see like the sun reflecting through the skyscrapers and it has this interesting effect. But I mean, uh, look at, look at that right there. The planners of Manhattan, not only did they have knowledge of Stonehenge, but they took that into consideration. Dude, I'm so glad you showed me this. I don't know who, what guest uh talked about this maybe it was tinfoil hat i can't listen to every episode i just don't have enough time in the week but i try to listen i try to get around to listening to everyone uh so if it was a recent episode it was maybe. a recent it yeah. was a recent i think it dropped oh. last week cool yeah i'll have no, to go and make sure i i checked them all out but cool man yeah i didn't know about this i'm glad you brought this to my attention okay so it's the buildings that's funny okay I'll have to do some more research on that too. Um, wow. So okay. So what um let's take it back a little bit because we got a little deep into conspiracy, but we'll we'll come back to conspiracy. So um all right, so you're in high school, you went to you're the captain of the wrestling team. You thought you were gonna be in the and some type of mixed martial arts background, or you wanted to go to the military. And so take me to graduation because I heard recently in one of your podcasts you said you went to college but you didn't stay for too long. Yeah, so martial arts was a big thing for me. Wrestling was a big thing for me at that time. I started smoking weed, and that didn't like slow me down. I kept doing martial arts, you know, even after I was out of school. And uh, quick question: Was your recovery better or? Oh yeah, I would get high every day. I still do. And I think it it made me uh it made me more focused. I won't say it made me like a better athlete. I think my hard work made me a better athlete, but um but it made me more focused and able to like stay in the zone longer than I might have before. Okay. That was always my trouble with sports like wasn't interested and and couldn't pay attention long enough so to zone out. Yeah, you know, I just it just wasn't my thing, you know. I tried playing baseball and all that, but um but yeah, no, I liked martial arts and um with college, you know, I wanted to learn something about like kind of that reflected what I was starting to get interested in, which was like psychedelics, religion, history, ancient history, the culture conspiracy like an anthropology seemed to reflect all that so for people who don't know anthropology is the study of human culture um and it would you know i took like a class on it and it was interesting but it really didn't like seem like the work i would put in to get a degree in that would lead to anything that i wanted to do you know it seemed like the only jobs available for those types of degrees was like somebody working with like i don't know archaeologists somewhere like digging up you know bones and stuff i don't know just it just occurred to me that like uh this isn't quite 
what I should be doing. So I started, uh, I just started kind of, you know, reading a lot more because I'm like, well, I could still learn, but I'll just get paid while I'm learning instead of pay to learn. So uh, I, I had a job at the time as a delivery guy. And in between food deliveries, I would read in, a, in the restaurant and that was kind of cool. And then somewhere eventually I, uh, I ran into my buddy who was like the only conspiracy theorist I knew, you know, like he was one of the only people that independently was interested in this kind of stuff um, and would like actively talk about it with me. So he walks into the restaurant one day and he's like, Oh dude, you should come through and uh, meet up with me at this frat house that I'm a part of. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know you're in college. I'm like, I just dropped out. I'm like, I don't, I don't really, you know, want to go back. And he's like, no, I'm not in college. He's like, it's not really about that. He's like, it's like, it's just a cool place to hang out. He's like, just try, just come, come try it. It's fun. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And my buddy, John, who I mentioned before, not the one who fell through the treehouse, the other one. Uh, Smoker he, John. Yeah. He, he uh, was also a part of it and I had like helped him move in. So I'd been to this frat house before. Okay. I just, didn't really what, well sorority was i mean what uh, fraternity was it well it was part of uh southern connecticut state university at a certain point but then they got like banned from campus but they kept going like as their own independent organization which is why they allowed people from other schools and non-students so they just kind of did their own thing and um is called omega psi but uh, even that's probably saying too much. But yeah, so I basically, long story short, went and became part of this kind of like party frat, which gave me a bunch of new friends. And also it was in New Haven. So it gave me like an excuse to stay in New Haven more or be in New Haven more. And uh -oh. that, was, that was fun and exciting. And yeah, it was just like interesting kind of the synchronicity. Are you still a part of this fraternity, brother? No, no. Yeah, I, I would have to become like an official like alumni. And there was a whole process for that, which, uh, you know, I liked it. I, I'll never talk badly about that place. It was great. They never did anything weird or, you know, uh, anything that I didn't consent to to me. So that was good because I heard worse stories. Did about you get initiated? Oh, like yeah, I was a part of it. I was I was a brother. But um. But yeah, I didn't stick around long enough to be like an alumni and still be a part of it. But uh, but what was cool is the guys that initially started the frat and then got like banned off of campus. They had this whole like history that was really interesting. And some of it involved Skull and Bones and how they had, you know, because you're a frat in a town with a very infamous frat. So what they did they under them? No, they they never they never were ever like friendly with them at all. In fact, the opposite. They went and they made it uh, their goal to steal something from Skull and Bones because Skull and Bones has this reputation as a fraternity of Yale for stealing. Yeah, yeah, they do like you know all sorts Geronimo of animal skull and shit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like now they they say that they only steal things like street signs or or things that could be easily replaced. But yeah, they have a history of of actually stealing really, um, you know, 
it's not even really something to joke about the whole Geronimo thing. It's a desecration of a, of a person's grave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but that's a whole different story. So the, the skull and bones fraternity had the tomb, but they also have their like house that the members can sleep in if they don't have their own room. Right. So some of them live there and the group I was connected to essentially before my time like a decade before my time had gone to the skull and bones house and uh, not the tomb and taken a flag off their front porch and that flag was displayed you know prominently somewhere what type of flag was it in our insignia yeah it was well it was a it was it was a jolly roger flag which is a little different because it's more of a pirate flag it's not like they're it didn't have like the 322 on it or anything like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a subliminal. It was a subliminal one. Exactly. And they, they crooked it from the crooks, which I thought was cool to be a part of like this group. And all of that, I kind of realized in hindsight, because when I was younger, I knew about skull and bones. I I'd learned about them from my good friend Amos when I was in college, he, he and I met, on the green because in between classes i would go to the green and smoke weed the green is like this center park in the center of new haven mm-hmm. and there's this whole history connected to it that i started to learn from amos and the reason why he was in new haven was because after he got out of prison in arizona he felt like you know as a native american you know something that he could do to kind of right his wrongs with his ancestors would be to go and pray to Geronimo. Like something was like calling him because he had learned about this story that, you know, Prescott Bush came and stole Geronimo's skull and went and took it to Yale. So something just drew him to New Haven. He came to New Haven. And when I met him, he was homeless. He's not homeless anymore. He's got a job. He's got his own place and all that, but he's got a truck. But, uh, but yeah, my, my bro Amos, you know, we met. You know, he saw my shirt. I had a shirt that had sitting bowl on it. And it was like, sure, you can trust the government. Just ask a Native American, you know. <laughs> and uh, he saw that and liked my shirt. And we started talking. And he told me his story. And and then we would just kick it every now and then. He would tell me, like, all about Skull and Bones or tell me all about, like, how the this conquistadors had a book this thick that they used to come and take over the South Americans, which goes back to what we were talking about when you were a guest on my show, which is funny that that had come up. Cause I didn't know about that book you showed me, bro. And I, I've been meaning to bring that to show Amos. Cause I think he'll bro, like that's it. That's the shit, bro. That book that's, I'm telling you, that's what like a lot of conspiracies come from there. I'm telling you, man, when it comes to this whole, this thread, like Amos really put me onto it in a, in a major way. You know, because I was born on Columbus Day. So like the whole oh, Columbus sure. story even kind of connects to to my like you have a lot it, of funny I feel like I, I meant to say this earlier, you with being with that um I was about to say cult, but that uh sorority. Mm-hmm. You you basically bit the fraternity. I keep calling it a sorority. Uh right. the, with that fraternity with the fraternity, um you've been fighting the Illuminati because they're going against skull and bones. <laughs> Well, and yeah, that's the weird thing, man. It's like, I didn't even know that. And 
the first thing they said to me when I went to join after my friend had invited me was like, are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? Like I got a text about this. So, and no what's way. funny is like most of the guys in the frat weren't even like, they could very care theory. less about skull and bones. They could care less about any of that. They were just there to drink, have fun. And, and really like at the end of the day, frats like that, you know, the ones that aren't like harassing and, and like, bullying each other um it's about like brotherhood it's about like you know learning things that you can only learn from other other men you know and i i'm sure some people will hear that and be like you know weird you know or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. i think i think to me like it taught me a lot of responsibilities as a person how to live with other people because there was a time when i lived there for a little bit <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm still not perfect. I'll say that. But yeah, it was it was a, it was an interesting thing to run into. And it also gave me a place to like kick back. And, you know, when you're that old, you don't want to be up your parents ass all the time. You want to have yeah. your own place. And I definitely couldn't afford that. So I was able to go and hang out there and feel like I was on my own for a little bit. Now I have my own place, which is awesome. But uh, but yeah. Yeah, back then it was it was not not easy to like get into all this stuff. Uh, so it was cool to have a place where I could go and just sit on a couch and read a book and chill and smoke and nice, you know. And, and that's when you were friend, that's when you were chilling with uh at uh, what was the name sorry Atmos. Not Atmos that was a little bit before that. Amos, okay. Amos I met Amos. Amos when I was in community college, and then by the time I linked up with the frat, I was already dropped out of community college. I was still friends with Amos, you know. I was still, I'm still friends with him now. But, um, but you know, after he got a job and wasn't homeless anymore, you know, yeah, I couldn't just like walk downtown and be like, "Yo, where you at?" You know, like now he's like got shit going on, so which is good. I'm, I'm really happy for him, but we still talk and I'll hit him up every now and then me and my girlfriend, Tara went and visited him last year. But, um, but yeah, when it comes to like the, the new Haven thing, what's interesting about the frat is I met a guy in the frat who became a good friend of mine. We went and did all kinds of stuff. We worked together. He got me a job at a bakery. Uh, and when I started working at this bakery, I was, able to learn more about new haven and yale one because i was driving around at like four in the morning so like you know you're kind of seeing a different side of a city when you're driving yeah. around that early and also um i was delivering bread to yale university so like i would go inside of different buildings i would go to different cafes and i would drive all over the the town and then the state and and then I would go home like and it was such a, a fun job because it was just me in the van listening to podcasts, smoking a few blunts uh, and and dropping off bread. And uh, and I would see all this interesting stuff in Yale like every now and then, because, you know, I kind of had like my wits about me and I, I knew like, OK, if I have a bag of bread in my hand, I can kind of blend in a little bit and and maybe get to places that someone from off the street wouldn't right that only students are allowed to go into or teachers yeah. or faculty right so yeah I, I took the advantage of that to a certain degree and, and kind of explore I looked around a little bit 
Yeah, and I was able to go into the Wolf's Head Lodge, what was formerly the Wolf's Head Lodge, which is another secret society in Yale. A lot of people think it's just skull and bones, but there's actually up to 40 different secret societies at Yale. There's eight original secret societies that are called like the Ancient Eight, and they've been around since the 1800s. But the the majority of them are from the 1900s, and they're just like they're basically like a club that you would have at any other college. But the main ones are the secret societies, and it's funny because Skull and Bones came up recently in the news, and they're oh, yeah. having, they're having a whole social justice warrior takedown of Skull and Bones, where now they're saying oh, yeah. the history's racist, which. Yeah, obviously, you know, I think that Skull and Bones certainly is racist. It has like an Anglo kind of thing going on, but it's a complicated subject. And uh, it's just interesting to see like them being kind of hypocritical because it's like it's one thing to be at Yale, but it's another thing to be selected for Skull and Bones and then to turn around and be like, yeah, this is all racist. And yeah. it's like, well, you're you're kind of taking advantage of that aren't you like <laughs> like i don't know and they and it's a little short-sighted too because you know, if you want to talk about racists like yale and all these global corporations that yale's connected to they're actively hurting people around the world you know it's not even about racism at that point it's about exploitation you know and that's what these these institutions do they they exploit and you know, they'll they'll make it a social commentary because then nothing, no problems get solved. I mean, you know, ask people in the South, in the black community, you know, how much the civil rights did movement did for them. Like there were still people in Georgia in the 80s who were like, you know, having all these terrible things happen to them. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, have you seen that? Did you, did you ever see that Vice documentary? It was like one of the last lays, but like yeah. he was... It was like a guy. He, it was kind of crazy because it was like he wasn't technically a slave, but it was kind of like he was a slave. And it was just yeah. like, well, very... and it, it shows like how, you know, you can have these like isolated like pockets of of, of communities where, you know, just things like, don't don't change, you know? You know what? You know what made me think of that the first time? Like, oh, shit, like shit could really like you could really get abducted or some shit like when like I was like do doing deliveries and like the Hamptons and shit, and I was like, oh, there's just like big houses, a bunch of land in between. Like that made me think, like, damn, imagine having to run and escape, bro. Like, and then like, you don't know where you're going. You never know, man. I tend to think that you know those big mansions. Yeah, they probably hide some crazy stuff. When I was an Amazon delivery driver, I I found uh. I found a bunch of weird stuff, you know. What was like, the craziest shit you've seen? Well, one thing that comes to mind is when I was delivering in this kind of wealthy area, this one person had like a giant statue of a Doberman Pinscher dog. And it, dude, it was all like slate obsidian black. Yeah. Black statue, like huge, like the size of a truck. And I was pulling up this driveway and all of a sudden, before I even see the house, I just see like uh, big a ass dog. dog statue. Yeah. And I didn't even know about like the dog man or anything like that back then. But 
it was just it just gave me a really weird feeling and the person who answered the door except the package was nice they seemed like a normal person but it just i don't know it just gave me a weird vibe like you know and then i learned about like the dog star and like how that's like a thing and i don't know i mean maybe there's a cult that worships the dog man or the dog star how and big was this statue like the size of a truck dude like huge yeah like the so we're talking like what like like 20 feet like long what you would see like in new york on wall street with that like big bull like that bigger than that that like that size statue like okay equivalent to that like big oh enough that's where not that you bad big enough where you walk around and you're like wow okay this is like you know you could look up and down and be like whoa this is big but you know that's just the tip of the iceberg there was another house i went to and it looked like a, a house out of a storybook almost like i don't know harry potter or something and there's like a weird goat and i get out of the van and this goat just walks up to me i delivered like 50 packages at once to this person like 50 packages And I don't know what it was with this lady, but she had a lot of money and she just seemed weird. And she had a pet goat. She didn't have any dog. She didn't have any cat. She just had a pet goat. So I don't know. That's weird to me. But who knows? Maybe there's some people who are like, that's not weird. Goats are cool. But uh, and then the other strange thing I mean, that's is, not that crazy. yeah, I guess it's not that crazy, but she didn't seem like she was going to eat the goat. She it was like it was her dog, you know, but uh, but yeah, the um. The other thing was I went to a mansion with like a gate, drove up a hill, and the name on the package was Chase. So I'm going to assume that it's the same family that owns Chase Bank, just based on where this house was. But they told me that they had a helipad and that, well, I noticed the helipad because you could see it when you're driving up the driveway. And I asked them about it and they're like, yeah, the, the helipad. See, this is the thing. Like people are afraid to ask. I'm never afraid to ask in those Yeah. certain situations. I like to talk to people, especially when I was the Amazon driver. Cause I'm like, you know, what are they going to say to me? Like, I'm just, they don't want to tell me, they won't tell me, you know? Yeah. So I asked like, well, what's up with the helipad? Where are you guys going to so often? <laughs> They said, oh, yeah, we don't use it that much. But, you know, it's it's convenient, gets us to the airport quickly. And and then they were like, and to New York City. And then they're like, o
I was like, oh shit, bro. I wouldn't doubt that there's something uh, you know, to find over there, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like with the Amazon I didn't snoop around too much with the um with the Yale delivery job I felt more comfortable snooping around cuz I could be like, "Oh, I just I got lost, you know. It's like a campus." Yeah. You know, but at people's houses I have a respect for, so I wasn't going to like go crazy like <laughs> that, you know. But I did deliver to one mansion where they had a creepy fountain statue that just gave me like a weird vibe. It was like you know, babies and like a naked lady and just okay. weird, weird kind of artwork. Uh, another mansion had like a giant like perfume bottle right when you walked into the it was like a perf like a giant perfume bottle, like the size of like a I don't know, like huge, bro. Like this house is huge. <laughs> I think they worked for like, you know, a perfume. Yeah. Company. They had uh, to because what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. One time I got out of my van and there was a bear, a mama bear and a, a baby oh, bear shit. at the end of the driveway. And they were looking into the house to see if the homeowners were home. And then <laughs> when they saw me, they went around to the other side of the house. Uh, but yeah, I would have just threw those shits down. And did, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, I did. I left it in the driveway. <laughs> I did not want to go up to the doorstep because I thought maybe the bears would be territorial you know maybe they're trying to get into the house and get some food or something but yeah just you know that that's kind of more hillbilly rural kind of funny stories like that i've seen some crazy owls i never seen any like ufos or anything like that but one time i was driving through new britain connecticut and i looked up in the sky and i think somebody had like overfilled their christmas decorations with like helium or something because i saw an inflatable santa claus upside down flying through the air bro like at least 20 feet over the tree line like huge That's crazy. Like, like just and i thought it was a ufo at first because i'm like what's that red thing in the sky and i look and it's santa claus's butt <laughs> yeah that's crazy yeah but uh yo but uh let the people know. I mean, I feel like this is a good place to wrap it up right now. I got uh, having a little bit of technical difficulties, but uh, let the people know where they can find you and everything. And cool, cool, yeah. Thanks for having me, Sonny. It's good. Thank to you again. Our conversation would be a good place to start if people are new to my podcast. Go and check out my interview with Sonny. We talked about the old world, the uh, of north and south america and the the forbidden history the stuff they don't want you to know about how uh, america was populated right i mean yeah, this right. is a topic that we're both very interested in and you're going to be putting me in touch with well you've already put me in touch with some people that uh that are going to take those topics a little further which is cool yeah. so i appreciate you introducing that topic to me but my family thinks i'm crazy uh search it wherever you listen to podcasts apple spotify all the places and then youtube if you want to check the video versions of the show and then from youtube just go into that about section and you can find all my links right there yeah definitely i'm definitely gonna have all his links in the description but just like that guys it's been a great episode mark thank you for stopping by I appreciate you, man. You've done a lot for me. And everybody, make sure you go uh, subscribe to Mark on everything. Go follow him on Instagram, too. And, um, yo, just my favorite thing, some crazy. It's been this Sunny Talk. I'm your host, Sunny.
Mark Steves, and peace out, guys. All right. Let's stop video. Let's stop the recording again. Oh.